You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. The episode you're about to listen to was recorded way back in February when we were living in a very different world. However, the conversation we had with Lisa Gaida at the time is super pertinent to where we are now. We hope you'll enjoy our conversation with Lisa Gaida and the follow-up seven months later. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Mama's Talking Loud. I'm Jessica Rush. And I'm Kara Cooper. And today, we have basically a legend in our industry. Legend, an icon. <laughs> she is. She's shaking her head as I'm saying this. <laughs> but it's um, so She's been in 18 Broadway shows. Yes, you heard that correctly. Mm. 18. Just a few. Um, just a couple. Uh, she's received. She's been the recipient of the Legacy Robe six times, I believe. Wow. She's, she's, not, she <laughs> she's doesn't like, even sure. Know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, too many times to keep track of. Both Jessica and I have worked with her, uh, and we can attest to the fact that she is one of the most genuine people you'll ever meet. She's funny as hell. <laughs> and she also has... One of the most interesting journeys to motherhood. She is Broadway's Lisa, Lisa Gaida. Hey, girl. (laughs) She really is Broadway's Lisa Guy. I mean, come on. I mean, basically, if you've been on Broadway from like 2001 to 2016-ish, or the 90s, you probably have worked with her because she's been in every show. Yeah. 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 If you're under the age of 30... (laughs) Then you might just now be finding out her name, but uh, sorry for you. Um, But thank you so much for being here, Lisa. I am so happy to just see you. I know. I know. I know. We do see a lot of our friends this way. It's like, oh my gosh, it's nice to see you. Forget about that drink we always say we're going to have because that never happens. We end up having like a therapy session here, but Mm -hmm. that works too. (laughs) Uh, Tell us about your kids. Okay, so um, I have a six-year-old named Luca and an 18-month-old named Ava, who we've had, um, who have been sick for 10 days and who I couldn't (laughs) wait to get away from. Like, I can't even tell. And I am like, really, you'll find that I am very into motherhood. But yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah. (laughs) Peace out. I got things to do. That's the truth bomb right there. to go. Yes. Yes, this time of year is just brutal. Oh my, oh my God, this winter has been awful. Yeah. It's been awful. Even though the weather hasn't been that bad, I no, like but sickness, the sickness, well, the, the weather has been amazing. But yeah. like my kids don't, my kids don't get sick very frequently because we're dirty hippies and we have all the microbes. <laughs> but uh, this this past ten days. I'm yeah. so sorry. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Glad you're here. We'll, so, keep, we'll keep you a little extra. How's yeah. that? <laughs> yeah. I did a seven-hour podcast, family. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I don't know where the time went. Um, we, okay, so we ask a lot of our guests if they always knew they wanted to become a mother. Obviously, you you were in the industry for a really long time, uh, and that's something that it's just not super prevalent. Um, we asked Lauren Lataro, who was, you know, in the biz around the same She's time that you peer, were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. your peer. Good and she said, you know, she would see people get pregnant or have, you know, leave to start a family and not come back. Mm-hmm. Um, so was it something that you thought you would do? No. In fact, I always called myself the child catcher from Chitty Chitty Bang Bang because not only didn't I want kids, but I hated them like the child catcher. (laughs) And I hated families and I'd see a family and I'd feel genuinely sad for them that they were a family. (laughs) 
<laughs> look how the tide has turned. You oh know, and like, like the, so no, I was, I was like vehemently against having children. I never had the slightest biological inclination well into my 40s. Um, and I was also, I had a very special relationship to my career. I mean, I've talked about this on Broadway Baby Mamas. I had, I gave you guys a shout, like those of you who had children anywhere near the middle of your career, or even some of you toward the beginning are absolute superstars to me. It's like such an affirmation of, of, of what you believe you deserve and what you can have and what you're capable of navigating. Because my generation had a little, we just didn't believe that that was a possibility. And I prioritized my career over everything, every other aspect of what I could possibly be. Mm-hmm. So those all those other parts were muted out. That's how you do 18 Broadway shows. You mute everything else. <laughs> well, and I mean, and, but that's something to say, like your generation is just, bef- that's not it's this, not we're not talking that long ago. I know. Like it's- how things have changed and the outlook, you know? I mean, this was what your first Broadway show was in 74. No, shut up. <laughs> it was 95. It was 90, I, think, I was going to say in the 90s. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, isn't that something that just in the last, you know. I'd say five years, five to 10 years. I mean, even. Yeah, it's only for bit, sure. Yeah, like for seven sure, years. Sure. I mean, so yeah, it's, um, it is a tremendous development. It's mm-hmm. a tremendous development for people's well being in the business because it's like, it's affirming that you're more than this thing. It also creates, I see how much navigating it requires. I'm not saying it's like a rainbow, mm-hmm. um, but it, it moves us all like in the right direction. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and I'm so genuinely impressed with it that, that you are all able to go, this is really important to me. And I am also other things. Mm. But funnily enough, as you're saying that I'm thinking to myself that I always knew I wanted to become a mom. That was something I always knew. And I also knew I wanted to keep doing what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I gave enough attention to how hard it was going to be. Do you know what I mean? I think mm-hmm. I was like, well, I'm going to have a baby and then I'm going to come back to the show I was in. I was doing mm-hmm. Jersey Boys. I'm going to come back and it's going to be fine and life's just going to move on. I didn't, I, I, I think that there's, a, having people see that it's possible is so important, but also talking about how hard it is. Yeah. Well, and is I so important. Well, well, and I think that like our generation, we grew up with parents who are constantly telling us you can be, yeah. you know what I mean? I think your parents are probably just a little ahead of mine. They so didn't like, tell me anything. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Good job. Uh, no, but it's like, you know, the generation before, you know, your parents didn't probably say that it, you know, that, that yeah. came through in the eighties, right. Where it the started idea. to be like, you can be anything and Have everything, everything you want to be. All yes, of that exactly. So for That's, sure, Kara, of course we were like, yeah. Kara and I being type a people that we are, we're like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to yeah, Broadway. Mm-hmm. It's going to be great. Yeah. It's going to be great. And my God, is it hard? I mean, of course, also you can't tell people nothing before they go through it. Do you know what I mean? Well, like, that's what I was thinking as you guys were talking too, is like a part of me is like, well, it's a good thing you didn't really consider it fully. And the other thing, the thing that I'm thinking of too, as I listen to you talk is that it's the, both things are rare in that, like when you're a parent, it asks you to blind out every, it could cause you to blind out every other aspect of who you are. And Broadway asks the same thing mm-hmm. and asks the same question. Mm-hmm. So it requires a tremendous amount of psychological, uh, like consciousness and like, like, um, uh, dexterity mm. to manage those really, really, but it can also prove every both wrong, yeah. <laughs> right? Absolutely. you know, and mm-hmm. it's like, and it's not perfect, but it's also not perfect to be like, you know, what I was doing when I was only doing Broadway. I mean, I don't want to put it down. 
um, because it was really right for me. In fact, I needed that much time. Like I always talk about, like I'm going on all these interviews for my new career. Uh, all these interviews. I went on an interview. I'm a liar. <laughs> <laughs> Freaking liar. I lie. And I don't know I'm lying till I've done. <laughs> so anyway, I went on an interview. Well, the reason I say all, all these interviews is because my mind has been taught, like processing all these questions. Yeah. So I feel like I've been on them, but I'm still a liar. So, um, I, like, I talk about my career like it was a career, but it was also a place for me very, very, very specifically that I worked things out mm -hmm. for my life. Yeah. Like I worked on, like I started with like 12,000 demons and danced with all of them through decades. And so I needed that much time. Yeah. And I wasn't ready to even consider the vulnerability of having a family or counting, picking up person I could count on the way I could count on my husband. Was not ready for that until I was older. So it's not like Broadway exclusively kept me from these choices. It was um, part of your journey to getting there. It was part of my journey. So I don't mean to put it down. It was, um, but it is not as happy as a more balanced life, you know? Mm -hmm. So even though it's very difficult to balance it, I think that it's a it's a better choice than being uh, not living uh, like a more pieces of yourself at once, mm -hmm. you know? Yep. Yeah. 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 Well, since you kind of touched on it, let's get into it. Yeah. So Last. Lisa is a part of our Journey to Motherhood series um, where we talk to different women about how they become mothers. There are so many different ways to become a mom. And your path is unlike many I've any heard, really heard mm -hmm. of. Um, and let's talk about it. So totally. you, you found your husband, Brian, who's amazing, everybody. Yeah, he's, um, great. <laughs> he's great. So at that point, when did you know you wanted to have ch children? So I met Brian when I was 39, still like couldn't fathom not being a dancer and having that be the center of everything. We got married when I, I was 41, he was 42. So not really in the um, childbearing, already <laughs> moving out of the childbearing zone. And, um, and then I saw a videotape was sent to me. My sister had just had my nephew Leo and I saw this videotape of him being bathed. Thank God. And like a switch went off, mm. like something like literally like a light got flicked on. And what's ironic, you'll hear it's why it's, I also use ironic. I have no idea what it really means, but, <laughs> but maybe ironic is that it was maybe because he was genetically connected to me. He looked like my He looked very familiar, like in my bones, he was familiar. So I said to my husband who'd always wanted a family, um, because he's Howard Cunningham and a good and fine man and very traditional. Um, <laughs> I said, do you want to have a baby? And he was like, yeah. Oh my God. Well, wait, can we go just pause? Cause you said your husband had always wanted to have a family, mm -hmm. but you had never felt that pull. So when, was that a, an issue for a you guys problem? to work out when you were deciding to be together? Probably should have been a bigger issue than it was. <laughs> I mean, he did one time, I remember I was sitting on a, on our terrace and he came out and he was almost angry, probably because now that I'm becoming a therapist, I realized he was probably sad. Mm -hmm. And he was like, um, I think it's really sad that we're not having a family. And, you know, and we talked about it for a second. I don't know what I did, but I was just like so clear. I was like, honey, but like, no, right. you know, no this. way, <laughs> yeah. no way. Um, and then, um, of course not by, I would, I, it's not that simple, but, but basically mm -hmm. it just seems so. I was like, this is not like a negotiation for me. Um, and for whatever reason he, he tolerated that and then cut to like, I had kids and I was like, can we have 50? Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> like I turned out to be like really into it. Wow. Okay. So cool. Thanks for. Yeah. That. All right. Yeah. So now sure. you go to him and you say, so would you like to have, have children? Have and so we, we, we sort of went because of my age. I was well into my 41st year, uh, 
being on the planet and we sort of went right into the fertility route because we just were like, let's just see where we are. Mm. And I had like a low, my ovaries are older than I am. So I was 41, but they, my doctor said they were kind of older than me because I have uh, like a fatigue disease or something. Mm. I do. So, um, and they attack, it attacks my ovaries and my thyroid. Mm. So did you know about that before? I knew I had a fatigue disease. I didn't realize it would affect my oh, fertility. Yeah. And I, you know, I remember, yeah, I never cared. I, like when I used to suffer from migraines, I knew it was related to my period and my uterus and all mm -hmm. that. And I was like, just take it, take it out. I don't oh. need it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I was never concerned about any. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah. So then what wound up happening is I, we kind of immediately like six months into sort of like trying the old fashioned way, uh, started thinking about, I thought about, I had a friend who had um, her she was pregnant via egg donation. And to me, genes uh, were never, I because I never had a fantasy of having children, I had absolutely no um, attachment to, I never saw in my mind pictures of my kids looking like me or mm. never thought my genes were like a, like a gold mine, like gotta have them. <laughs> um, and uh, so I brought it to, I, also adoption was very comfortable for me. My husband is more traditional and he wanted to have a closer, you know, he wanted to have uh, as close to biological children. And what's interesting about egg donation is that um, for some people, this is very important. Um, I think that, and this can be Googled, so if I'm wrong, then just find out. But I think that uh, the caring mother, so I it, am considered 50% the biological mother of my children because they're made out of me. Mm. Um, and so the, the genes are provided by my donor and my body makes the baby. So they're like, when they look at pictures of my ancestors, they are made out of that stuff, yeah. mm. um, in, in case that's important to people. Um, it is not particularly important to me, but, um, you know, that's some people, yeah, that is interesting. So am I, so we, so we very easily, I mean, that part of the journey was very easy. I didn't have to mourn much. I wanted a baby. I didn't care how I got the baby. And, um, and, uh, and we picked a donor fairly easily at first, like it felt like shopping. And then, um, cause we were looking at videos and like profiles, like on a dating site. And then like one morning I literally sat in front of my computer and my husband let me drive it. Cause I guess she's representing the egg. <laughs> and, uh, and I was like, I just need a, can I curse? Yeah, yeah I just need a fucking baby. Yeah. <laughs> and I like picked somebody who I liked. I didn't care like what her grades were or they were all gorgeous. So that made that easy, you know? And, uh, I liked her. She was irreverent and funny and I liked, she felt like home energetically. Mm. And so I picked her and her face is in my house and her hands are in my house <laughs> and her butt is in my house. <laughs> so it's a, it's a good thing. I'm so glad. You had I, to like her. I, <laughs> I'm glad, you know, I, you're always going to love me. It doesn't matter. Like right. that's, it just does not matter. So, you know, but when, before you become a mom, I think it's at least before I became a mom, you think that your kids are coming for you and then you realize that you're here to facilitate who, whatever they are. So it doesn't matter what they are. You just yeah. facilitate it. And um, some things are easier than others. Some aspects of them are easier for certain personalities than others. But anyway, so that's how we uh, began our journey. And I got pregnant on the first try with Luca. And oh. um, and uh, and my pregnancy was the worst <laughs> year of my life. Oh, my God. Your, your journey. Oh. Like, you guys, on Lisa's Facebook, I mean, I, it was, it's another world. You should do a book just really of should. your journey because it was, <clears throat> it was you were something. in it where you're like oh my god what have I done there was, was one the, day on the prize like I almost like like of course it was Brian's fault because that's what husbands are for <laughs> I was like you know when you made me do this um <laughs> there was one night but I wanted him like that's the funny thing like the moment 
the moment we started, I wanted him, you know, like, and I wanted him like on a biological bone level. And I just, I was a mother, you know, like some people, everyone is different. Like I have friends, I have friends, I won't name names because I don't know if they want this information, but I have friends that are like, oh my God, like when I'm pregnant, like it's like, I don't have any connection whatsoever. <laughs> like they don't become a mother or a parent uh, yeah. until they see the kid. And sometimes that even takes time. So everyone's journey yeah. is different. I had like a really strong thing. Um, so, you know, it was the worst year of my life. And um, I was so sick, so fundamental. I had every symptom pregnancy has to offer. And um, I was ugly and I was horrible looking and um, it was dreadful. I thought I might like it. I actually thought I was going to like people like talk about feeling sexy or, you know, feeling euphoric. <laughs> anyway, so I, I had, did not have that kind of uh, chemical experience. And my second pregnancy was pretty miserable too, except that I opted into a lot more medicating uh, because I needed to parent my son. Yeah. So, you know, whatever the doctor, you know, whatever the doctor allowed, I was like, give it to me because mm -hmm. I need to, to care for him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I was working too full time. I was working from home. Wow. And it's, you'd been down the road, you know, you're like, well, I had the first, I had that experience. So now just give me yeah. what I need to get through this because was it very similar in the same? It was a lot I mean, better because I, my doctors, we all knew a little, there was a drug available that hadn't been available for nausea when I was mm -hmm. pregnant with Luca. And, um, she, she had mercy on me, my Ava, she had a little bit more mercy on me and I just <laughs> medicated the hell out of myself. I had migraine, you know, I got my Botox for migraines. I get mm -hmm. bad migraines. So I didn't want Botox, but it's perfectly legal. It's like perfectly acceptable. Like medically, mm -hmm. my doctor kept saying it is perfectly safe to get Botox, but I was worried. Um, and then the second time I was like, I just got to take care of my kids. So I'm just yeah. going to mm -hmm. down all these really. meds. Right. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> give me the drugs. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to take a quick break. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. Um, you taught you, so you said you were working full time. I think that this is a good segue. I mean, we're going to continue to talk about motherhood too, but yeah. Um, talking about transitioning from being on Broadway. Mm -hmm. So you, when you became a mom, did you, you decided that was it? You had already said you were done or was it? No. Cause you went, to, you were in talk after you I was Luca. in talk with those. So like I had, I was pregnant with Luca and I remember sitting across from Sarah Oglebe being like, I'm afraid I'm not going to be able to like not audition, you know? Cause I was like, it really felt, I was 44. Um, and I didn't know anything about life without being a dancer. Like I didn't know that since I was five, like it was my destiny from a young age and I didn't know anything about life that wasn't about that. So I just like, am I going to pull on those sky blue hot pants <laughs> after this? It's going to be so sad, but I think I'm going to do it. And so sure enough, I had, I had Luca and I, um, I went on two auditions and one was for <laughs> on the town and it had like 5,000 triple pirouettes into layouts. And I was like in an A-line, like I was in like a house coat. Oh my God. And I just, I remember going to the audition feeling very confused about how to present myself because I was like, I'm not 
it doesn't feel good to compete with young people, but I'm not really that character person. I don't have those skills. I'm a dancer. So like there was nowhere to go. And then I did one other audition. They both, long story long, both auditions felt really bizarre and not good. And so I just thought, well, then I just, it's not that I wanted to dance anymore, but I didn't know how not to, and I didn't know who I was. So, um, that's a very real, I mean, for I think yeah, in that business, who you are. for sure, you know, because so early on we start to train a lot of us or it becomes our life. And then that is, like you said, Broadway wants all of you just like motherhood does. And so it's a struggle, I think, to be like, who am I without this? It's literally starting in some ways. Now, some of us do fare a little bit better than others based on how much of ourselves we've explored outside of that. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I think mothers, if they choose to, or anybody who's invested in other things will have a sense, some kind of like, I did have grounding in other things, even though I had been so committed. I'd, so, um, I'd always thought, so anyway, it was not that terrible. So I was confused, but I'd had, I went on those auditions very early in Luca's life and I was hit like a, with a tsunami with motherhood. I had a very strong biological response Mm. to it. Um, I was like the kind of mom that like breastfed for eight years and like very, (laughs) like very happy and also really relieved because depending upon what your career felt like to you. So for me, my career, I was never good enough for myself for like 30 years. Mm. Who would fucking miss that? Right. <laughs> I did not miss that. I thought no. that was a huge relief. Yeah. So really, uh, it wasn't a painful ending for me. And I was very consumed with motherhood, which we know can be consuming. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And I did. I was choreographing. I was exploring that. And, I, and then I was on a law review team, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah, which was awesome. Um, and so that's kind of... I didn't have a lot of pain around the, my career ending. I will have occasional coming here today, walking past um, theaters. I have like a nostalgia for it. And it, there is a tiny bit of suffering, a little bit of grief, but it's uh, momentary because what comes with walking through a stage door for me is like a lot of yuckiness. Yeah. It wasn't all yucky, yeah. but but the yucky is is kind of, I think in like 10 years when my experience has been fully integrated, mm-hmm. um, you know, right now I'm just like, oh, but the part where I was so hard on myself, I don't miss it. Like, and I have to get through that, you know? I mean, just, I think it's just for everybody, anybody listening, Lisa just said she was never good enough. She's been in 18 Broadway shows. Right. Like even with the validation of the industry telling you over and over and over again that you were good enough, Mm -hmm. you still didn't believe you are. So I think that that's a really interesting takeaway Mm -hmm. as what we do in this industry as a whole. Yeah. Um, so you, you, you went into tuck Thanks to Casey, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, and so you you did that while you were a, a mother. Was Luca like two? Luca was two. And how yeah. was that for you, juggling the eight um, show week while he was? It was fine. Initially, I cried. I cried the first week. It's just a change, you know? And it's like a biological change. Your body is so close. Like my body, I was still breastfeeding him. Like there was so much closeness physically. So it was just like an adjustment the first. And of course, rehearsals are very hard from going to, you're like with your kid all the time. And I did not mind that that much. You know, it was, he's a very easy kid. So that also depends. Like if you have a kid that has higher needs, you need more of a break. Like if my kids were like this high needs, I would have six jobs. (laughs) (laughs) They were like that all the time. So um, the first week was a giant adjustment, you know, but like anything, it's kind of like you just make, you kind of like make, I enjoyed him when I had him in the morning and I enjoyed him. It was not ideal. I don't like the eight hour day uh, situation for myself, you know, and this is something that's very important to say all the time for myself, because I think this is just so fascinating to me how, how we walk through as parents 
the world feeling a need to justify our experience of parenthood as like it's tempting to, to, to sometimes try and say like, because my way is ultimately the right way, <laughs> you know? And like, or because to, it is the right way for you. We are all so like, we are all so different. Like how could somebody with my background, with my nature, with my, have the same experience with a completely different background and nature. And there's so many ways to do it. So everything I say is going to be about like my experience. So I didn't love that. Um, I liked being in a show. I thought being in a show with a young child, um, I can, because I'm a dancer, like being tired sucks, but like it pales in comparison to other problems. So um, I didn't, I, you know, you're with your kid a lot if they're not in school, you know, if they're not school yeah. age. And um, and then I uh, I went home in between shows because I lived close enough and I saw him a lot. And uh, I enjoyed, you know, going to work when you're in a show, especially a Casey show. Like everybody was like 65 and over. <laughs> They were all my friends. <laughs> and uh, and it was a pleasure. It was really a pleasure. I didn't, you know, I wasn't happy that Tuck closed. You know, I would have been happy to do that for a long time. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. So how did you come to the career you're... Uh... Um, you know, uh, I think I always knew. I remember being like 20 and like being in Susie Taylor's class and like doing passes and thinking like, when I'm 40, I'll be a therapist. Oh, you know, like I just knew it was like the old, it was like the other thing that they are so close. It's all so close. Yeah, it's yeah, all totally. feelings. It's actually the one thing I think about. I like if too. I were to do something yeah. else, I would want to be a therapist. Absolutely. And it probably comes from like this, you know, like sitting in dressing rooms and hashing out our lives and listening to all the problems and solving them. <laughs> and it's like we, we think about we, we think about we spend our days creating worlds and telling stories. There's a whole uh, modality. When I say feelings, therapy is not necessarily about feelings, but it's a about human experience, yeah. you know? So feelings is kind of boiling it down to something maybe, you know, but like stories, there's narrative therapy, you know, that's like a whole modality based on storytelling and how you can affect people's experience by addressing how they tell their stories yeah. about themselves and about the world. Um, so, and it's just, there's a lot of instinct involved. It's a lot of, it's about joining. So it's about connection. Mm. So this is all stuff that we freaking love. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, and I've always been interested just like in people. So like when I was in a, any show, 90% of the time I was reading some book about the brain or about mm. psychology or about, I just, think it's interesting. Mm. And, um, and I can make my own hours. I don't have to have eight hour days, which is 10 hour days, which is right. not, which doesn't feel, right. you know, not, not something I want. Um, so all of that, it's a massive investment. I mean, I had no college, not one college credit. So I started from wow. scratch. Um, wow. And that would be me. <laughs> we'd be I starting. didn't go to college. Yet. Yeah. You know, <laughs> oh my God. it would be, but, wow. you, but I highly recommend the LEAP program at St. Mary's. Yeah. Um, and we can that's talk about why. Margo works, works oh that's yeah. That's the one that she yeah. wants. Oh, it's, it's phenomenal. And you get a year of credit for, for wow. your experience, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, wow. It's like, and it's like group for dancers and performers. Hmm. Um, we're all in the same boat. Mm -hmm. Um, so anyway, um, yeah, it's like a six and a half year, at least investment. Wow. Seven year investment before I actually make any real money doing wow. it. <laughs> oh. Where are you in the year mark right now? I did I did my undergrad in three years and I'm in the second semester of my graduate program. So mm -hmm. next year I start sitting down with clients uh, as an intern. The year after that, I make a tiny bit of money while I'm gathering hours. And then if I work a hard that year, the following year, I'm a therapist who gets paid oh, for, her, wow. for her work. Wow. We thought being on Broadway was hard with I kids. Know. How about doing that with kids? How do you balance that? 
Oh, it's nothing because it's like, it just, it's so clear about what it asks. Right. Like the thing about Broadway is that you can't invest. Like, it's not like I'm investing in one thing. My energy is like, all I have to do to do well at this is do it well. But when I was a performer, I had to plant 7 trillion seeds. I couldn't say no to anything. There was yes. no boundary. Yeah, there are no right. boundaries. You're never, because you never like, say no. you can never say no because if you want to eat, you need to have been investing in 50 things because you don't know which thing mm -hmm. and you never are right about what it's going to be. So it's got, you know, you can't be like, oh, I feel like this one's going to go or this one's going to be great. Like yeah. based on the creative team or based, there's just no telling. So, um, the, the thing is, is that the, that the, the conflict about being a performer and a mother is the, the lack of boundary yeah. in performing. It, it just, there's never enough that you can invest. So this is quite easy. It's clear. I go to class, I do this, I study, da -da -da. Yeah. you know, and you could, you could danceify it, but I'm 50. So <laughs> kiss my ass. No, you could, you could, you could do all that other stuff, but you really don't have to, to succeed. Right. Right. And uh, kind of comforting to just have that framework that you have to work within. Just. It really suits me. I'm like, you know, I'm really very interested in this. I really care about being of use to people. I'm very, you know, all of that. And, but, and at the, but I'm not interested in like suffering for stuff anymore. <laughs> and ain't that the truth? Yeah. It is a suffering. I mean, you yeah, know, it's like, it it's, you know, and these are champagne problems to a certain degree. And, sure. the, you know, the oh, Broadway, God, yeah. the, the golden cage, you yeah. know what I mean? It's yeah. like, but it is true, especially if you're, I mean, if you're lucky enough to be in a long running show or even not necessarily a long running show, but just take a show that runs a year. That means you get two weeks vacation and four personal days and otherwise by family. Do you know what I mean? And it's Absolutely. like, so when you're in these shows, like Kara and I, Jersey boys for like six years, basically. And you know, when you think about the amount of time that they, that it asks of you, mm -hmm. you know, it asks of you mm -hmm. for and the, to and, sacrifice and yeah. the energy and the time away from your family yeah. and those other parts of yourself. Yeah. Like you were talking. Yeah. About. Yeah, absolutely. It's no, it's, it's, you know, and when you're in a long running show, you're not just doing that. First of all, the longer the run, right, the more rehearsing there is. Right. Aren't there like put-ins <laughs> and like, yeah, all that. and then there's that weird thing that I was just ran into Holly Coombs and we were talking about like the, um, she's a great, like a phenomenal stage manager. And we were talking about like that weird, I said, it's like the, one of the, so the thing I miss the least is how hard I was on myself how I was never good. And I saw like a clip of myself dancing in Tuck recently and I was like, I just thank God I'm never, ever, ever going to do that again. <laughs> Not the dancing. It was fun doing it, but seeing it is like, nope, no thank you. I never want to have to do that again. But um, anyway, uh, we were just talking about how crazy making it is to have to, to, um, to be in a long running show because you are genuinely grateful. It's like that whole thing about how grateful you are and how lucky, what a champagne problem. Right. But it's, it's crazy making because there's a weird kind of twisted thing that happens in longer runs. Like that's so hard on your psyche mm -hmm. because if you're a professional, you bring yourself to your work mm -hmm. in a way, every single every show, you mm -hmm. really do try yeah. every show. Mm -hmm. And, uh, over time that can be absolutely nauseatingly crazy making. It Absolutely. takes something away sure. that I still don't know what that thing is, but you need it. <laughs> yeah. But it's so refreshing to hear that you were able to walk away. Oh, like this yeah. is something I, I've been talking to Jessica about recently. I'm like, I just don't, I cannot, I'm just not. Well, do you love to, it? I do. Oh, okay. I love, love, love it. Yeah. But yeah. this kind of leads us to the next thing and about aging in our industry yeah. and how it affects your career and what you are sometimes no longer appropriate for or what you are appropriate for. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and, and it becomes like a real struggle in yeah. your brain to be like, where do I fit in? I still love doing this, you know? Yes, that's tricky. Well, and I think that, you know, it, it's, it, 
as dancers or as, you know, with certain roles, at least for me, my personal experience, the bulk of my Broadway career until recently was being like, I put quotes, the hot one. You know what I, mm-hmm. I was in like a hot track, you yeah. know, like the hot chorus girl, yeah. you know, guys and dolls and gypsy and, you know, Jersey boys. We were, you know, yeah. in crop tops and crap. So yeah. it's like, you know, it, there was that part of me. That's what I was. Yeah. And so now as I age, it's sort of like, who am I now? It's a Because I'm not that. Thing. I yep. mean, I still think we look pretty fierce. <laughs> It's Let's a version of hot. It's just it's a, a version it's a of hot. You version. change your version. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But like, there aren't that many spots for That's right. who we become. That's so right. So then, you know. Well, you, you said it in this article in the Times. I have I have a quote from you. There was a great <laughs> spot on on Lisa in the Times. You should look it up. It's, it's so really good. good. It's when you, she was in Tuck. She, you know, they were profiling her because you had been in 18 Broadway shows. Um, but your candor and openness in it is what struck me. I remember I texted you as soon as mm-hmm, I read it. Yeah, and you talked about the Eye of the Tiger. And at that point, I didn't think I had it anymore. And I and I will say my the eye of the tiger is different for me now. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you were talking about saying yes to everything. Mm-hmm. I definitely do not say yes okay. to everything, which I think yeah. being a mother has yes. shifted my yes, perspective. Sure. That's on what that. shifted. I which mean, is, let's be honest. If we hadn't had children, we probably would not have shifted that. Sure. Exactly. Yeah. Which is also super freeing, mm-hmm. right? To be like, nope, can't do that, and I'm not going to do that, and I'm not going to do that because it doesn't balance with my life at mm-hmm. this point. Um, but you said. Uh, the last half of my career was loaded with the anxiety of having to fight, stay young, stay pretty, stay sexy. None of those things were ever me and it just got worse. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think that this is confined to our industry, but it's incredibly exaggerated in show business, this, um, need for women to remain sexy. Oh um, yeah. And to that, be viable. To be, like that if we're viable, that we have to be sexy to be viable. Yeah. Viable. Or beautiful or, yeah. or young looking. A or version of sexy is. that is specific to youth. I had a whole Facebook catastrophe based on the JLo Shakira <laughs> halftime show. Oh, I actually took it down. I was like nauseous I when I would say see I it. didn't see it. I kept so, it up for a long time. Oh, and yeah. then I was like, you know what? This conversation just gives me anxiety. Mm-hmm. Like I think it's not that I, 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 re, I don't love having important conversations in a social media context, mm. you know? Yeah, not, and no, so, but I not. felt compelled, of course, you know, cause I got needs and I got an, an opinion. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, but I was talking about that. I was like, you know, the, and it's an ongoing conversation. It's like, this goes for men and women. It's like, there's a point at which you actually, when you can't do, you could fight to do that. You could fight to still have a six pack and a gorgeous butt and everything. And God bless, I know being 50, how much energy that and time takes. that takes. Yeah. And my question is, is that good enough? Like how many days do you have left? How much of that time was spent doing that? And for whom, right. you know, and like- Cause what, it's probably not for you. Uh, so, I mean, to a certain degree. You're hustling for somebody right. else's idea of what you need to be. And how much time have you been spending thinking about how you want to be? You've earned that. And the other thing is that there's a, when you can't do that anymore, you're free. And no one tells you that in this culture. And I wanted to say it out loud and I had friends like I'm so disappointed in you because <laughs> I did it in a judgmental asshole way but like but basically you know like I I don't spend a ton of I try to be I want to be attractive you know but I I spend as much time on it as I see fit considering there are lots of other things that I think are more important and so I wanted to offer this is a culture that says you should it is it is winning to hustle for that. You don't have to lose your youth. Mm-hmm. You and you know, and not losing your youth is what winning is. And I just wanted to say like just so you know when you start to fail at that, you might find that you're free 
And you might find that you start deciding a bunch of stuff you are waiting other people to tell you. You know, there's tremendous power on the other side of that role. That role is very confining for men and women. Mm -hmm. You know, making when you're beautiful and glamorous and you're expending a lot of energy doing it and putting, there's nothing wrong. I'm not putting it down. I'm just saying that is like the the act of that, that the dynamic is you're asking the world, what do you think? Right. And then when validation from everyone else, the whole point is, what do you think? And, and that's fine. There's a time for that. Actually, you know, you want to do that. There's, I had a great time walking down the street, spending my energy, hoping people liked what they saw, Mm -hmm. but there is something tremendous when you set that down. Mm-hmm. Tremendous power. I'm not. You start. What con- if you're just sort of like leaning over with it? You know what I mean? <laughs> what, do you mean? what do you mean? Talk, talk to me. No, what? I mean it's no. I mean that's true. I I would be remiss to say if I didn't say that. Like I still have a large part of that. You're in you know show business. Yeah, you, you have to. You yeah. Can't so it's like, but at the same time, I do feel as I've become a mother, and as we've had this podcast, to be honest, and started speaking out more, and as I approach a new decade, I do feel myself being like, fuck it. <laughs> if you don't like it, like this is who I am. Like yeah. I can't spend that much time worrying about it. But at the same time, there's this other part of me in the back of my head that's like, but I still want to make sure that you think that I'm, you know, all those things. I mean, but that can be part of that. But that can be, you know, first of all, I said in that article, it was never me. It's a very easy thing for me to set down. It was a terrible fit from the first second. I got into those pretty girls shows by the skin <laughs> of my goddamn teeth. And it was Again, awful. 18 people, 18, 18 shows, shows yeah, by the skin of my teeth. <laughs> Hardly. And, uh, but heart, not all of them were pretty girl shows. I, but, but, but it's, it depends on how much of that has been working for, it's harder to sit down something well, that works. And you don't necessarily, yeah. it's not that I want to still be, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's the thing. It's like, do I still How want to you? have to try to fit? I'm 39. Honey. You oh, got, I mean, I'm 75. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that was, and I just, on my last birthday, I put it out there that I was 39. And I actually Good said for this you. to my husband the other day. And I was like, I, I wrote that. And still, as I approach 40, like this year, it's that moment of like, oh my God, but then I'm not, what does that mean? And, and it's hard to admit that, but at the same, and I can see that that's a thing, but then like to get through that. So I, like I said, I'm starting to put it down. I'm not quite, I haven't said it. That's amazing. You know, you, but you do you like at your pace and like by no means am I, obviously, I mean, I'm like the worst person, you know, <laughs> for real, <laughs> like no one's self-actual. We're all like, we could all sort of talk about like the things that are harder for us to set down. And I think yeah. that it's, it's kind to ask ourselves to do our best yeah. and take as good care of ourselves as we can in all the ways that we're trying to move forward. Mm-hmm. But like, that's tremendous being a show. When I was in show business and you know me like I'm quote unquote like miss outspoken telling the truth which is not you've seen me lie right in this interview (laughs) but but like it was not easy for me to to openly state my age when I was in show business that is anxiety producing and that's not you being crazy that's you being aware of the reality Mm -hmm. and so you're in a you're in like a a, but you want to you want it to not be the reality right right? like you want it you want it to be the normalcy like just like motherhood like as as we speak about having our children and being mothers and we say in the room you know if we go into the room and Tara Rubin says how's Elliot you know and ask about my daughter and yeah. the creatives are hearing that and yeah. it's like owning it you yeah, know that's that right. I yeah. am a mother and I am of an age yeah you know I remember a director saying to me <clears throat> a couple years ago you know I Elliot was maybe two she was two and a half and um they were saying the person said to me he was a man and he said uh <laughs> There are only so many. And <laughs> he said, I've paired you with so-and-so uh, as your, he's like, and I, I think he's your peer. He's like, I, I don't want to know how old you are. 
Yeah. He said, yeah, and yeah, then yeah. he said that. I don't yeah. want to know how old you are. Meanwhile, he has known me and yeah, hired yeah. me yeah. for 10 years at that point. I know who he is. Yes. <laughs> I know. I'm sure you do. I'm sure it doesn't take a lot to figure it out. But he had known me for 10 years at that point. And I want to be like, even if it had only, even if I had been 20 yeah. when you met me, yeah. I would only be 30, but yeah, like I yeah. would be 30. Yeah. So clearly I'm in my 30s. Do yeah. you know what I mean? And yes. that shouldn't be a bad thing. Be a bad That's thing. right. I mean? like, and there is something be freeing about coming to that place where you are no longer that coarse girl. There is something freeing about that. Oh. I have enjoyed sort of getting to that place and yes. like seeing, I remember going to an audition for company, which isn't good, but I, it's like, I remember going to an audition for company at like the Berkshires or something a couple of summers ago and looking around at the, at everyone who was waiting for the callback and being like, Oh, this is where I am now. Yeah. 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 All I right, remember cool. that. Yeah. Cool. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I was like, mm-hmm. this is where I am. Yeah. You yeah. know, and I, and there is something freeing about that, but it's reconciling that with the old, with all the voices the, from the business yeah. is the business. It's an agreement. You know, the agreement, at least when I was in it and I do see it changing, um, thank God. And it will continue to change. But the business that when you sign your name on the dotted line, you're agreeing to a version of being a woman mm-hmm. that that's the agreement. Yeah. And so, you know, it's, until that changes, I suspect it will. I mean, just watching how everything is changing, like now, how people are thinking and talking about things, what people, what characters are like in movies, it's and in shows. Like we've we've grown yeah. and will continue to grow. Um, Broadway is a little slower, mm-hmm. um, yes. but uh, but you're, it's you're not you know. Owning it is powerful, and I see why you could be why you're reticent because the agreement is that a woman is a certain thing, mm-hmm. and that thing couldn't be further away from powerful as far as I'm concerned. Generally, yeah. and it, but it also can be, I think, freeing to. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying I have made complete peace with it because I haven't. I still have that desire to be sexy and pretty and all of those things. But like my recent experience in the prom, I was in the adult cast. Yeah. Yeah. Right? yeah. So I was in a show with kids who were very, very young. Yes. Um, and their role was energy and yeah. cuteness and, and, yeah. you know, and, and I played a PTA mom. I mean, I was yeah. playing who I am in real life yeah. in a lot of ways. And that was incredibly freeing, but it was also like, I just remember being on stage while they're all doing this big dance number at the prom and I'm like standing in the back clapping and I'm like, I don't know who this person yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, like, sure. I don't know who this person on stage yeah, is. Yeah, right. It's I was always, you know, that one, that one. So it, it's, it's an interesting journey to go on. But then, but then by like month two into the then run, I was like, like this, this is, is awesome. the best thing <laughs> this ever, that ever gig. happened to me. <laughs> um, uh-huh. But it was also lovely to be in a room or in a theater with, with young people and be able to kind of share, like, share that older, yeah. I'm going to say wiser. I don't know if I'm wiser, you are. but experience of mm-hmm. having been there, I have, you know, modeling that I'm a mother and I have two children and I'm That's still huge. doing this. Mm-hmm. One of our um, cast members just recently announced that she's pregnant. She was one of the you know, the kid cast. Yeah. Um, and like that's, and she said, just being able to see somebody do it in real life made me think it was possible. That's you know? huge. So that's there's, so huge. There are different ways in which I think the industry, it shifts for you, but it's a hard, it is a hard pill it's to hard. swallow. This is the it's, first time I'm really feeling a shift. Like as I, you know what I mean? Like it, what, this yeah. is the first time where I'm really, I remember when Jersey Boys closed, I was like, who am I? 
because when I started Jersey Boys, I was 29. And when it closed, I was 36. Mm-hmm. And I had gotten married. Yeah. And I had, had a child. A and I was like, a lot of change. who am I? The last time I was auditioning and like really hustling, I was in my 20s. So that was like a whole new thing. Well, this is such a gift that our, first of all, I want to clarify, it was powerless. I think it's a not powerful role to be a chorus girl. It's not always a powerless role to be a woman in, in show business. Yes. Standing in a bevel, being pretty for people felt to me very powerless, probably because it's just very far away from who I am. Mm. If you're glamorous and that's exciting and that's creative expression for you, maybe you might feel differently. That's first, I want to clarify that so I don't have to call you and tell you to cut that out. Um, and then secondly, <laughs> I want to offer that our business is such a gift in so many ways because... So like I was talking before about how our culture tells you you never have to let go of youth. Our culture, I remember I was doing pre-production, speaking to this change that you're talking about and how you were on stage feeling change. And like, we're so confused by, like, we're not a cult, we're a culture that promises based on the idea, I think of consumerism, Mm -hmm. that we don't have to let things go. You know, you just get to keep everything you want and it's a culture built on that. Mm -hmm. And so we're so confused when it comes to transitions. We don't have a culture that respects and has like containers for transition, you know, like, so um, we have less and less rituals and all that stuff, stuff that helps us make sense and normalize experiences. So I was doing talk uh, pre-production. I loved pre-production because I wasn't about being good. It was about being a part of creating. It was just so delicious. And I didn't have like my weird critic in the room. And I loved it. And I loved talk. And I loved the earthiness. I loved being in bare feet. And I loved the music. And I loved all of it. And I loved being in the room with Casey. So um, I remember I went to therapy after that. And I was like, I was kind of okay with, I hadn't done my IVF, my DE IVF, DE donor egg IVF yet. And um, I went to therapy and I was like, I love it. And he, my therapist, Lair, and I sort of talked about it. And ultimately he was like, and we discussed the idea that we have to say goodbye to things we love in this life. You know, that's real. It's okay. You can just because you love it doesn't mean you have to keep it or that you get to keep it. And so to create a space and our business sort of gives us these opportunities because it's there's so much transition and so much change as you go. Like we've been different in this business 10, 15 times. This is Mm -hmm. the one it starts to get realer as you get older. But we've been transitioning and experiencing different parts of ourselves all along the way. And um, and so it's just such a it was such a helpful um, realization. It's like there, there are parents whose children die. Like this is a life, this is a world where we don't get to keep something just because we love it. And I thought that kind of normalized my feelings around like, not like, you know, um, having to let something go that I don't want to let go. So even if you don't want to let it go, it doesn't mean that you can't. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean that it's wrong to, but it also doesn't mean if you really don't want. So like basically Kara, for you, you were talking about how you're not, uh, you love it. Then the only question for you is how, how much, you know, what's the, how much does it hurt to stay? If it hurts too right. much to stay, mm. then you go. But if you oh. love it, mm. that's good. You know, then, <laughs> yeah. then you stay and you yeah. have, you have respect for, you know, you have respect for the fact that you love something and want to do it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's a really healthy choice. Yeah. The only time I think it becomes like unhealthy is when it's feeling terrible and you don't know how to say goodbye. And that's not even unhealthy. That just means it's time to figure out a way to have this process occur mm-hmm. of grieving. You know, because for me, my grieving happened a lot while I was in the business and while I was in the business for like 10, because when I was 10, I was like, so mom, I'm going to be 20 in 10 years and I'm going to die. <laughs> like everything was about, like, I always was forward thinking, just like you can do a little trauma there in my early years. So I'm like, <laughs> so basically, you know, um, 
I always knew it was ending. So like when I was 30, right. I started processing it because I knew I was mostly a dancer, not really an actor or a singer as much. And um, uh, so I remember going around like greet, like consciously grieving and trying to understand what it is that, so like, this is so long, just cut me out. But like, I remember going to, to a theater toward the end of my career, one of my last shows and, and dropping something off and walking into the theater as the audience was leaving and seeing this set on stage and going backstage and just feeling like, I don't know how I'm ever going to let this go. And then I said to myself, well, what is this? This is belonging. Mm-hmm. So everything that we're attached to is something that's like a basic human need that can be met probably better elsewhere. <laughs> <laughs> oh my but God. that you nailed it, that, that yeah. belonging, this the belonging. community, the Broadway mm-hmm. community. Oh and my that, God. That feeling you, feeling you, you get, have when you when walk, you walk into, into that theater, theater you're mm-hmm. like, this is my place. These, this is these are my people. people. This is my these tribe. My people, yeah. 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 I mean, this is, I, I've talked about that before. It's not on this podcast though, but you know, I grew up, my parents did community theater and, um, some of my, I feel, I feel safest in a dark theater. Yeah, like, totally, totally. I can remember, oh, it makes me emotional, but like, I can remember being a kid and like laying on a pallet in the back of a, of the house in the dark and hearing their voices as they rehearsed, totally, you know? Yeah. And so like, I don't know where else to be. Totally. You know hear you. It's oh like such God, a biological visceral hear connection. And, um, how lucky are we that we know that first of all, wild, yeah. right? Like it's laying wild. there and looking at the, I remember laying backstage and looking up at the lights and all yeah. the stuff being hung and being home, yeah. like yeah. home, totally. like fundamentally home, Totally. Yeah. you know? So yeah. And then, then our, our process is how do we, you know, is it possible to, have full respect for how much we love that mm-hmm. and see, um, you know, I guess the question is, what does it cost me to hang on if it's costing right. me something, if it's not costing me anything or yeah. if it's not costing right. me too much? Because things cost. Having right. children costs you and everything costs you, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But like, yeah, I totally, that resonates with me in my bones. And the yeah. beauty of that, we are so lucky. I mean, and the beauty is it doesn't have to happen on Broadway. You're not talking about Broadway, right? No, no. You're talking no. about community theater. Yeah. What a beautiful thing. Yeah. And the other thing too is that belonging, that theater is there for us though. Yeah. That's what I learned is like the, it's all the, the most important things, the things that are truly specific to dancing and singing and theater, those things are there. Mm-hmm. Those aren't only on Broadway. Right. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And then like the deep basic things, like the belonging, I found like, oh, well, um, and that's real, the belonging you're describing. And it's gorgeous. And I wish everyone on the planet that feeling, because that is so special, the feeling of weird safety and stuff. Yeah. Um, but then also too, like putting my roots in, like shows that would run six weeks, right. <laughs> finding your right. belonging in such an unstable, like right. if Rob Ashford doesn't like your outfit, belonging is not available to you. <laughs> so it's a tricky place to put your belonging roots too. So I it's know. like a oh, mixed bag. Time, really. Yeah. 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 Oh, God. <laughs> I love that. Like we came to this table to like ask Lisa about her experience and she's giving, and you're basically giving us therapy. therapy. Which is and myself. Us. No, it's like, so oh, I want to have, when I become a therapist, I want to have a dance group and I want to do like or performers group I want to like I just want there's such a knowing that we have with each other and it's just and I just love us we're the worst best people we're the neediest (laughs) postiest shittiest grossest best but you know there's such a shorthand right like we just know when you get into a room with performers with actors with creatives 
you just know what the convo is. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you know, exactly. the shorthand. I mean, mm-hmm. and even more so, I mean, when you have that belonging, I mean, I talk about this with our Jersey girls. It's like, we know the names of our parents. We know our families yeah. so yeah. well. Like I mean, when you share a room for years and years, yeah. I mean, even just a year. Siblings, I mean, yes. nephews, but nieces, like, yeah, you know, all everyone. Of it. Yeah. And we've seen them grow up and there's a shorthand and a comfort there. Absolutely. And that's why when you get together with certain people, it's just like, oh, I don't have to like bullshit. I don't have to like go through, oh, well, my mother, she's blah, 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 or whatever. I love you, mom. But like, you know, we don't have to like, (laughs) you don't have to describe anything. I can just call Kara and be like, Sarah Rush said this or whatever. You know (laughs) what I mean? And And she she knows exactly, she gets it, like all of it. And that's, that's what, that's what our community is. And you guys, it's a culture because when you leave it, like I've left it and like, wait until you hang out with muggles for years. Like, (laughs) wait, just wait. It's like, I was telling somebody, like, I feel like I, I feel like I have to contain like 95% of who I am. So as not to just completely drown them with myself. (laughs) And also too, I was watching this thing on Tyler Peck last night. Like I'm dirtier, I'm weirder, I'm bigger, I'm sloppier. I'm like, like in uh, sloppy in every way than regular people. Like Tyler Peck, ate every one of her meals in this documentary on the floor next to her feet. <laughs> and I was like, I'm, I've moved That's further. The, I'm yeah. like, like, I'm like, that looks a little disgusting to oh. me. But now I understand, like, cause I've moved further and further away We're from being right. like in sweaty clothes that she's been wearing. But for of like, course, like in the middle of rehearsal, you're yeah. for, for, Honey, for anybody listening to this who doesn't have that experience, yeah. you know, you're sweaty. You have to eat. You're, you're putting your food Honey. on a plate on the floor. We like, are not precious no. people. We are and, not and precious. And I fucking love us. And I don't want to be near anyone else. <laughs> I want to be near you and you and you. I don't want to be near anyone else. I mean, there are a few special people that still have that energy, but ultimately like what we are even beyond this sort of like, there, you know, as you were talking about Jersey Boys, I'm thinking about like, we have all these boundaries that are taken down by oh, the yeah. nature of the gig, like the yeah. nudity, yeah. like just by being naked with people in robes. I said this robes. to my husband just the other day. I was like, isn't it something how you meet a group of people <laughs> and you don't know many of them? Like I just started at Tina. I only knew a handful of people and all of a sudden within six weeks, four weeks, no, six weeks with, I mean, but four weeks or so you are getting naked. That's right. With each other. Like they see your, although I did work with someone, there's one person who I've never seen her naked because of the way she changes. Weirdo. I know it's crazy, (laughs) but I never did a year, two years on tour and I never saw her naked, but otherwise you just like yeah. Take off your clothes. I mean, here's my good. Or if you're a dancer, like God. I mean, speaking of Rob Ashford, first day of rehearsal for Wedding Singer, we did a, <laughs> told a, this a, story. a lift that was com- <laughs> was involved penetration. Was, no, almost <laughs> was friendly. Fr- uh, was familiarly called Air Lingus because we literally are. We were in a straddle in our partner's face. Oh yeah. So like first day of rehearsal. Okay, pop up in the air. Yeah. Your partner's face is in your crotch. Yeah. The hygiene okay. necessary. Hygiene. Like, oh my god. And you don't even fingers crossed because you're like, yes, I'll do whatever you want of me course, to do. Of course. But um. But yeah. Yeah. The intimacy yeah. is like there's just you know also change nudity. Like when I was in moving out, oh, like yeah. I was changing like changing her. with cute boys like hanging over now, let's like, be honest most of them aren't straight so no they were all heterosexual well I'm moving out I guess moving out yeah. because like for whatever reason yeah. so like there I am like hanging over my costume my <laughs> boobs are like skinny and long hanging over my costume in front of like five adorable people um but um the so it's yeah like they're just the boundaries like you know it's why I think one of the reasons why there's so much uh, there are many reasons layers layers but the just on a surface level infidelity because the mm-hmm. ba- all the safety 
mechanisms in place out in the regular world are necessary. Like your kissing, your eye contact, your pheromones, your heart, Mm -hmm. like the amount of contact Mm -hmm. is, um, that alone is yeah. really highly well, and unusual. And add in the emotions and like the storytelling, all of or that, whatever the availability, the, yeah, yeah, the yeah. you know, the, the intimacy is mm-hmm. insane. So yeah. it's it's really um, it's a it's a special special like walking down Midtown, like walking down the street in Midtown, like seeing your vagina, seeing your vagina, seeing your vagina. That's <laughs> 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 unusual at work. Right, right. It's not normal. No, nope. it's, it's not us and porn. <laughs> That's it, oh, us God. and porn. There's oh, our, there. That's the name of our memoir, our yes, group memoir. Exactly. Edited book. Oh, my, oh God. my God. Lisa, Lisa <laughs> you should come back and talk some more. Gosh. I mean, I mean, just for sure. We could go on and on and on. But I think we're, yeah, I think we've said all the things. Haven't we? I, think we're, <laughs> I mean, I mean, I think there's more to say. Always. We could just keep going. But I just, but like, that's for having you on your, having you on the show. Your perspective is so interesting your sense of humor about it is so uh entertaining but so are um, on point like yeah. the way you can articulate what it is that we go through in this industry is really powerful and i think people will be interested to hear it <laughs> we'll see For or sure. i'm insufferable <laughs> likely the latter <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for suffering with us. Yes. No, I love seeing you. Thank you for talking with me. Yeah, of course. So much. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Mama's Talkin' Loud. Special shout outs to Rachel Spencer Hewitt for our fabulous graphic, Kristen Anderson Lopez, Bobby Lopez, and Justin Ward Weber for our awesome theme song, our producers Dory Berenstein, Alan Seals, and of course, the Broadway Podcast Network for bringing us to you. Have you ever wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists, what they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There's enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud. Are you listening? Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.